0: Ask all of our moms, if you would, to stand, and uh, if you would, come on now, mom, stand with us. Let's give them a big hand. Come on now. Amen. Thank you. We wish you a very, very happy Mother's Day. If you did not receive your gift on the way in, please, on the way out, uh, they're out there, the ushers, the greeters, they'll be glad to help you. Uh, so feel free to just walk up, and uh, there's lots of gifts out there. We love you and thank you for being with us today. We welcome you to the harbor. I'm Pastor Mike Sainz, and we're delighted to have you here. One quick uh, or two quick commercials I want to just break to you. That is, next Sunday in the second service, we will be offering partnership. Uh, many of you have talked with me, uh, have filled out cards, have sent letters through the staff, and whatever that you're interested in partnering with the church. Maybe you've been coming six months or a year or whatever longer. I don't know. Um, a few things you need to do, attend Harbor Track 101 and 201, fill out the partnership application, get that back to us. We're going to have that next Sunday in the second service, it's going to be incredible. Hey, there's no H-Track today because it's Mother's Day, we want everybody to be here with us. Also next Sunday, we start a brand new series entitled Margins. We're going to be talking about some, some relational margins, some time Margins. I noticed our host this morning does not have any margin for time for his Mother's Day gift. And he showed up at CVS this morning, and they weren't open early enough, and so he did not build in any margin. And so I I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'll probably have to do marriage counseling this week. But uh, no. (laughs) Anyway, um, and then my wife, you know, she don't have no margins either because if we got to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning, we roll in here about um, 7.59.50. I mean, we slide into the parking spot and run in here and get in place, and there's no margin there. So we're going to talk about financial margins, help you build your faith. We're going to help you get out of debt because some of us are drowning in debt. So that's enough about margins. Be here next Sunday for margins and, of course, partnership. Go ahead and fill out that paperwork, and let's get that going. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms. One more time, let me say moms matter. I want to say that there's not a mom here, and and I do welcome all of our moms, and I I don't want to go down the the road of trying to list or name them because I'll leave somebody out, so God bless all of you and thank you for being here. But I bet you there's not a mom in this building that wants me to preach today on perfect moms. I bet there's not one that wants me to talk about how, um, you know, this particular mom has got it all together and her kids make straight A's and they get up in the morning, and they make their bed as soon as they get out of it. You know, they fluff up the pillows, and they do it just like you would, and they run straight in and get a quick shower, brush their teeth, you know, put a little scope in and swish around. They comb their hair. They do everything perfect. I mean, you got little angels running around. And I bet there's not a mom in the building that wants me to talk about perfect moms because really and truly there are none. Now there are those that are put on a front like they got it all together. But when they get to the schoolhouse sometime too, they look at little Johnny and say, Look at you get that off of your face, boy. And they realize that, you know, he's still got an egg on his face or something. And um, but you probably don't want me to talk about moms that have just got it all together and everything is hunky-dory, and and they probably there are moms that present that, but let me just inform all of you: nobody's perfect. Amen. And so. Um, And then there's probably moms that don't want me to talk about how their children are perfect little angels because my mom never could get into that because, I mean, when me and my cousins got together, you know how Jesus said, uh, you know, if two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. That's kind of the way it was with me and my cousin and the cops. If if we got together, they were in the midst. (laughs) That's just how it was. Um, they showed up, man, you know, kind of like the Spirit shows up when we gather up. If me and Robert or me and Kenneth, any of my cousins, and my mother, finally, she just put, that's it, a moratorium on it. No more spending the night with your cousins, and they can't come over here. Because we were a long way from perfect. We were doing some crazy things, and, and, and we'd have to take, you know, that whipping for it, but we sure had some fun. So anyway, you probably don't want me to talk about perfect models, but let me say this. Back in 1957, uh, we were first introduced to what we think is a perfect mom. Now, I don't know if anybody recognizes her. That's June Cleaver. June, Cle- Leave it to Beaver. Y'all remember that? It aired in 1957. I know some of y'all ain't that old, but then some of y'all went on back a little more. But nonetheless, if you look at June, she just represented a perfect mom. I mean, I studied her life this week, and I found out that she wore the most affluent clothes that, that they made in that time frame. And I also found out if there was ever uh, an argument between her husband or Wally, her oldest boy, and then the beaver, if there's any problem, she could fix it all and teach a moral lesson and dinner in 30 minutes and do it all while wearing pearls. And earrings. I mean, even if she was in the garden, she had on pearls and a fine dress. I mean, I mean, so I mean, June Cleaver just showed us that that she could do all of this. In fact, they always they always ate breakfast and lunch in the kitchen there, and then at night when they got together, they always ate at the dinner table. And let me say this: I think there's something to be said for that. I really think there is something to be said for that that we've lost some of that that we never sit around the dinner table or supper table, whatever you call it, together. But but um, I kind of think with her dress to the T, with her ability to fix it all and teach a moral lesson and, and all of that that she done and kept it all together, I kind of think that sort of started this idea of a perfect mom, and you look at her and say, man, I ain't never going to be that. I just ain't got all that together. And then 1984 come along to 1992, and we met Claire Huxtable. Claire Huxtable represented another perfect mom. I used to love to watch the show. Now, Claire always, I mean, she was a doctor to start with, so she was very, um, you know, affluent. She dressed to a T, every hair in place. And again, if uh, Theo or Denise or any of the kids all messed up, she could whip them right in back. She'd get Bill right in shape real quick. And, uh, and the house was always immaculate. And even if the in laws dropped in, man, she had a way of working it out. And she just sort of represented that perfect mom that could multitask, that could look the part. I mean, she was just the great mom, the great wife, all of that. And and so I think that further amped up this idea of a perfect mom. And then you moms look at that and say, I can't be Claire Huxtable. And others say, I can't be June Cleaver. And ain't no way I'm ever going to be, you know, because, man, I, I, I'm worn to a frowns at 5 o'clock. I look like I was shot out of a cannon. And, and you know, and so we look at her and we say, this ain't no way I'm going to measure up to, to June or Claire. In fact, most of you, if I had to preach about any particular woman today that you could identify with, it might be Marge Simpson. Now, now, in my study this week, I had an observation. It hit me that Marge was Pentecostal. <laughs> because look at that hairdo, the beehive. I mean, back when I was growing up, my mother had a hairdo, buddy. You had to have a stepladder to get top of it. And you, she used to pay big money to go to the beautician, man, and that thing would be about this big around and like a tower up on top of her head. I never understood how she slept, you know, because you had to sleep that far from the headboard. But, but nonetheless... You ladies probably thinking, man, I'm more like Marge because my kids are a wreck. They're crazy. Huh? Uh, Got a bunch of little barts running around, different ones, and then uh, I feel like killing my husband, Homer. Hello? And for a while, she didn't work at all, and then she went to work, and and sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't work out. I'm just saying, if you could identify today, and I'm not going to ask you to show your hands, but if I said Claire Huxtable, you might say, I don't know about that, June I don't know. And then, now, secretly, you might say, yep, I'm feeling that Marge Simpson deal, because <laughs> I'm about to go off on one of my kids, too. Or Anyway, enough of Marge. So, uh, nonetheless, we, um, you know, there's not a, a mom in the room that that thinks that they can measure up, probably. Um But here's what I want to tell you. If you don't measure up to Claire Huxtable or June Cleaver, it's okay. It's okay. Because that's TV land. And Claire is, uh, uh, Felicia Rashad is her name, but it's a fictional character on TV. And, And then June Cleaver, that's a fictional character on TV, and it's not really like that at home. They just want to portray that. And so moms, I want to tell you, they, they don't have that. I mean, there's times she takes them pearls off. I guarantee you. There's times where her hair's messed up and she's looking at Bill and screaming, bloodshot eyes. huh? And she just had to get on to the kids and whatever. So here's what I need you to know today if you don't get anything else, that perfection is not the goal. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't have to be perfect. Somebody look back and say, Thank the Lord. <laughs> you don't have to listen, moms. Your kids don't want your perfection. They would rather say, I'm not saying that you intentionally do things so that they know that you're just a long way from perfect. I'm just simply saying they don't need your perfection as much as they need you to be genuine. And here's the real deal to be persistent. Now, what does it mean to persist? I'm glad you asked. It means to continue firmly. In a course of action, despite difficulty and or opposition. I'm going to tell you something. Raising children is difficult. Amen. Raising children is difficult. Uh, and you're going to come up against opposition. And raising children today is far different than it was when I raised mine and far different than it was when I was being raised. Amen. And, and I mean, the methods have changed and it, it, there's a lot of hardship that goes with it. But persistent means continuing to exist and endure even over a prolonged period of difficulty. And so you might have a real challenge with, with a child. Stay persistent. You need persistence more than you need perfection. Perfection. That child needs to see that you're there, that you're steady. No matter what, you might not always... And let me just say this, moms, you can't necessarily be the best friend of your child. That's going to happen after they grow up and got kids. You got to be mom right now. Dad, you got to be dad right now. That'll come next month. So anyway... Uh, Listen, you cannot be an occasional mom. You cannot be an intermittent mom with a lamp or, or like a lamp that has a short in it. Now it's on and then it's off and then it's on and then it's off. And listen, I'm not talking about uh, moms that for whatever reason, either medically you can't be with your children or, or maybe some deal for, for whatever reason you can't be with them 100% of the time. I'm simply saying this, is when you are with them, be with them. And be persistent. You don't have to worry about being perfect for them because they see right through it anyway. They know you're not perfect. If you don't believe it, just hang around your children. They're going to embarrass you. You know why? Because they're going to say things out in public that you've said in secret or in the living room, and you say, don't tell anybody that. And they're going to say, well, mama, you was watching. And then they just spill it right on out. Shut up, child. Right? Well, you called so-and-so uh, 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 you see, so they know you're not perfect, so quit trying to fool yourself uh, because you ain't fooling them. But see, you can make it to heaven without perfection, but you can't make it to heaven without persistence. You got to stay at it. It is The Bible talks about he that endures to the end. You got to stay at it. So, So why is it important to know that? Listen, because if you understand that perfection is not the goal, then you will have time and the priority to do what really matters. And that is to stay constant to stay persistent, to, to stay at it. No matter what happens, and listen, you're going to have to roll with the punches. You know, you can't let everything, I always said this, and my and wife would tell you because I've seen so many moms or parents in general, they lend so much emotion. In other words, my child got suspended from school, oh God, and they're about to kill themselves. I mean, they, they think they're going to die now because their kid got suspended from school. And then let me just say this. I mean, it is a bad thing, but let me say this. It ain't the worst thing in the world ever happened. Now, 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 let me move on because I, I'll get bogged down if I don't. But listen, perfection is not the goal. If perfection is the goal, you're always going to come up short. You see, it's really important if your children know that you're not perfect. They, they already know it, but listen, use that failure. Use the imperfection as a teaching point and a tool to, to help them and to foster growth in them. Listen, here's what you got to do. you got to stay persistent. you got to stay at it. Let me read Luke 1 and 31. And we're going to talk about um, Mary. This is the mother of Jesus. The Bible says you're going to conceive. This angel comes to her and says, Mary, you're going to conceive. You're going to have a son call his name Jesus. Isn't that pretty cool? In other words, we don't even have to fight with our family no more what we're going to name him. I remember we was going to name A.J. His name is Asa Joel Saints. Asa was a king that done what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of his life. I picked that name out personally. Joel is the prophet who prophesied the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I personally picked that name out. So anyway, Kelly and I agreed on that. My mom hit the ceiling. Who in the world? Asa. What is Asa? Now she loves him to death. He's a favorite of all my kids. He can get anything he wants if he talks to my mom. See, the thing about that is, but but in that day, I didn't have to worry about mama or daddy or anybody saying, you know, he ought to be named after his grandpa. Or he ought to be named after this or that or the other. No, no, no. The Bible says, the angel said his name's going to be Jesus. So, you know, if when you got that positive and you know, oh, I'm going to have a baby. If the Lord just said, well, his name's going to be (laughs) Lucretia. Huh? Huh? Oh, his name is going to be Nolan or or Demetrius or or whatever it is. I don't know. But you didn't have to fight about it. Bam. Fix that right? that. But anyway, he's going to be great and he'll be called the son of the most high God. The Lord will give him the throne of uh, his father David. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And of his kingdom, there'll never be an end. So I want us to look at the mother of Jesus, Now I want you to understand that Mary felt some things, and the Bible tells me she treasured them in her heart. Let me say to every mom, I know that, that you have this idea or this propensity to try for perfection, and you're not perfect, and I know that, but but here's the deal. Perfection is not what it's about. Persistence is what it's about, but you are the CCO. What that means, you're the chief Celebration officer. It happens from the moment you found out you were pregnant. It probably starts before that. But you went into the bathroom and you did your business or whatever it is, and you dip that little stick, and all of a sudden there is a positive. And you didn't do good in algebra, but you know what this one means. Hello? And you come back out there and you show this to your husband. Oh, (laughs) we don't have a baby right? And then you're going to celebrate and it's going to be off the chain and all of a sudden she starts crying like Kelly. But I got to give birth. I got to have the baby. And I'm like, well, women do it every day, honey. And that ain't the thing to say. <laughs> it's just not. So uh, don't do it like that, guys. I've done some things the wrong way and I've learned the hard way sometimes. But anyway, birth announcements. It's amazing. I remember, uh, you know, I remember when Carly... Uh, was uh, pregnant with Reagan and, and then with high all of them done it. Uh, they done some sort of special kind of birth announcement to, to, to let me and Kelly know. I mean we knew that they were pregnant but but are they gonna have a boy or a girl. And I remember one time Carly went to great lengths and I don't remember what it was but she had whatever it was that you open up there's gonna be either blue ribbons or pink or something. And then while she or it might have been a cake we was going to cut. I think it was a cake we was going to cut or something. But anyway, nonetheless she's talking to us and just before we cut the cake she said well the doctor said she Talking about the baby, I said she. <laughs> it sort of a, it was sort of anticlimactic when we cut the cake. Are you with me? And it was pink, but uh, nonetheless. So, so, but moms are all about celebration. In other words, I saw a celebration the other day where it had uh, it was the scene of someone standing on the beach and looking out toward the ocean, and there was a big pair of flip-flops and a little smaller pair of flip-flops and a little t90 pair of flip-flops. And what that meant was that these little flip-flops are coming along. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I saw another one where it showed this little kid about a year old and he's peeking over the edge of his crib and the little bars everywhere and underneath him was hanging a sign that said, Eviction notice. Be out by June the 30th. Pretty cool, isn't it? So... uh but mamas learn how to celebrate. They celebrate when they find out what. Well, I mean, they go down. I went uh, with uh, all of mine down to the 4D ultrasound, and we're sitting there and ooing and, and ah and, and gooing and, and ga and, and all that. And we say, oh, look at him. He really is a boy. Uh, or you know, whatever it is. And then and then we laugh and we you know have fun together and we take them pictures of the, you know, and everybody's snapping pictures and putting on social media and the babies. And there we go, Connor and uh, Blake and, and and you know, it's a boy and it it's just wonderful. Moms love to celebrate. I'm gonna tell you something. You know, and when that kid turns a year old, dad might even not even remember it's a year, but mama done told him, Hey, you know good well we gotta be somewhere at a certain time and you gotta help decorate this room. Why? And then you got to buy all these toys, and the kid can't even—I mean, ain't no way he can ride them toys yet. Ain't no way he can do this yet. He ain't gonna remember it. But at Christmas time, you know what? We just spend all kind of money. But mama's gonna see through it—that baby celebrating. And then when he goes to school, you know he's gonna be in pre-K, and they're gonna do some sort of little play at Thanksgiving or Christmas. You don't know a word he said. He might not have looked up, and that mama is whoa—that's my. And if you don't believe me you go to go to T-ball. Go to T-ball. Because you can get hurt at T-ball. And I'm not talking about by the babies. I'm talking about by the mamas. Because their little kid has swung all season and never hit the never even connected with the ball. But they got a shirt on that's got their last name. They got a hard hat on. I mean, you would think he was playing for the Braves. <laughs> because mama knows how to celebrate. Uh, Are you with me? Mama, she's going to celebrate, man, and don't you tell And matter of fact, how many of y'all remember Forrest Gump? You remember Sally Field? She played Forrest Gump. There she is right there. And she told that doctor, he asked, was Forrest a little slow? And she says, well, Mr. Doctor, I have you to know that my Forrest is going to have every opportunity that every other kid has. And you know, Forrest went on to be a great war hero and he went on to do all kind of stuff and played for the University of Alabama and all that. I mean, he just went on. But listen, moms know how to celebrate their babies. They celebrate when they, you know, when they get out of diapers. They celebrate when they TT in the potty the first time. They celebrate when they go to, to high school and when they get out of high school. They just love to celebrate. And mama, don't let you forget that. They're gonna celebrate. Every mother. Believes in her heart. No mom has ever took that little kid and said, "He's probably going to end up in prison. (laughs) Ain't no way he's going to be anything in life. He's probably going to be on welfare all his life." (laughs) I just might as well throw him down right now. They don't know mama think like that. I don't know where we get that stinking thinking later. But you tell a mama that, and she'll slap you down. My baby ain't going to prison. My baby's going to be healthy. My baby's going to be strong. My baby's going to get over this. You know, and she's going to love him and hold him and do everything she can do. No mom has ever said, well, I think he's going to be a Ted Bundy. You know, or no. So in Luke chapter 1, we're going still a little bit further now with Mary. She's still celebrating. He says, you'll conceive. It. Well, I've already read that. So he uh, says, so you're going to conceive. And uh, So moms, moms know how to celebrate birthdays and Christmas. Let's, let me say this. Kelly, my wife, I don't know if she's in here for this service. She was. She might have got mad at me. I told this in the first service. But uh, it ain't been but about four years ago when she quit buying Easter baskets for every child. Now, listen, my son will be 30 this year. Our music minister, he'll be 30 this year. My daughter will be 28. Uh, my son is the drummer. He's about 24, 23, somewhere like that. And nonetheless, I'm just simply saying, I mean, she's still buying Easter baskets. It wasn't but a few years back that she quit cutting up steak. Are y'all, I'm like, hey, hey. You know, but mamas are going to celebrate them babies. And I said, honey, my Lord, they grown. They've got children and all that. We need to be buying the grandkids Easter. Well, we are, but we're still going to buy theirs. So, hey, mom, you are the chief celebration officer. Let me say this to you. I don't care. Your kids will remember that the rest of their life. I'm going to tell you something. When we didn't have the money to buy uh, but one or two pair of shoes, guess who got it? The kids did. The kids did. And and sometimes I just have to draw the line and say, you know what? I don't care if I got to do a side job. I don't care what I got to do. You got to get some clothes for yourself. Anyway, let me move on. Luke one forty six. my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in the God, my Savior. He's been mindful of my humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Listen, Mary was able to celebrate even in difficult situations. Now listen, you're thinking it was easy for her to celebrate, but hey, she was a 16-year-old girl, if you will, young girl, espoused to be married but not yet married. And then the angel says, you're going to be pregnant The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and you're going to conceive. Now listen, in that day, it wasn't a scene. Today, nobody even paid any attention about it. I'm not saying it would be right. I'm just saying the world accepts it. In that day, they'd kill you for it. And so in the midst of all this scary stuff, she still found reason and says, My soul rejoices. And then she took all of these words that the angel told her and she pondered them. That is, she treasured them in her heart. But let me move on to the next thing. Three words you got to learn. That is, celebration is one of them. You need to do that. But the next word you got to learn today is frustration. See, the thing to remember is this. Perfection is not the goal. Persistence is you got to celebrate, and you need to do that, and I believe you do. But then you got to understand that frustration is going to abound as well. There's going to be times you're going to be frustrated. My mom and dad was frustrated with me at times because i have done things that, that that I shouldn't have done. i have done things that I knew, and I know probably y'all didn't do it. But when I got together with my cousins, i have done things that i still probably be in jail for right now if they knew it. Are y'all hearing me? I know we ain't killing nobody or nothing like that, but we've done some terrible things. And I'm just simply saying, as... Uh, uh as I said that where we were together, so were the cops they showed up. so so there was frustration in my mom's life. there's frustration in your life sometimes that kid just will not mind you've given or you've given every opportunity you've stayed up late, you've studied and then they bombed that test anyway. they failed that course be persistent. Well they failed that grade be persistent. Well they got suspended be persistent. Well, they had to go to a tribunal. So did I. Be persistent. Hello? Uh, you know, had this and that. And that. Be persistent. So let, let me move on. Moms often say, you know, because of something their kid done, I'm just a horrible mother. My kid fell off his bike and broke his arm. I'm a horrible mother. No, you're not. Your kid just don't know how to ride a bike. Hello? Now, don't think that you can put him in a plastic bubble until he learns how to ride a bike. I got a pastor friend of mine, his mother said, you are not getting in that water until you learn how to swim. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Listen, mom, you or dad's going to hold on the seat of that bike and the handlebar, and then you're going to let go of that, and you think he's got it, and you're going to let go of that, and about the wall, bam. Got to go get some stitches. I'm just a horrible mother. Oh, let my kid fall off and I got a stitch. You're not a horrible mother. Life has happened. Get up, dust him off, go help hold him down and get stitches. Y'all with me? And let him know, you know what, sometime in life you crash and burn, you got to get back up. You know, yeah. that's the kind of mentality you got to let him know. Listen, you don't say I'm a horrible mother because your kid stuck his finger in a light socket. You done taught him. And I know some of y'all say, well, they got their safety things at Walmart. None of us had it and we lived. Hello? Don't get too politically correct with me, all right? Some of us weren't raised in the most efficient homes and in the best and most safe environments. Anyway, so don't say I'm a horrible mother just because I did that. Listen, frustration will lead you to false ideas about who you are and where you stand with the Lord. I remember I was listening to Perry Noble this past week. Perry Noble said, hey, me, he said, I was good for my mother's sanctification because, because of me she called on Jesus every day. Amen. I brought her closer to the Lord, he said. Do you ever think that, you ever think that um, Mary got frustrated with Jesus? Can you imagine she's got him up here now, fixing to bathe him, and he's just laying on top of the water. I, that's just me thinking out loud. I don't know. Maybe he just jumps up and he decides to dance, but he's on top of the water. I know y'all thinking, that's just nuts. Jesus was... Just like us, he he set aside his robe of divinity and put on the robe of humanity so that he might be able to identify with everything. So in other words, when he got in the water, if he went under, he got wet. That's how it is. Now, but I bet you his mom was frustrated. And matter of fact, I'll tell you in a particular time, I know she was frustrated because the Bible gives us a story. They had gone to Jerusalem to worship and then they had gone back home. Now, have any of y'all ever lost your child? Huh? My wife uh, was very, very, very attuned to where our kids were at at all times. But I've got some friends of mine, man. They could be in the mall somewhere, and I mean, that kid might be down at Hippet Sports, and they're down at Macy's. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, they're half a mile apart. Kids two years old hiding in the clothes racks and stuff. Huh? My, my wife would execute me before we left the mall if if I let mine go that far. But um, but nonetheless, have you ever lost your kid? I'm not talking about just misplaced them for a second or two. You know, you look up. and uh, Oh, good gracious. But nonetheless, man, Joseph was in Jerusalem, and they turned around and went back home, and they two or three days down the road. We're talking about they traveled 18 to 30 miles a day. 18 on a Sunday if they was going to walk. You know, they cut it in half on, on that day. But nonetheless, and they would have said, Joseph, you got Jesus? He asked the sir, y'all seen Jesus? Mary I asked friends, y'all seen Jesus? I mean, they, they're traveling caravans or whatever. So maybe they went back to the next camel that was pulling or whatever, a donkey pulling a wagon. They opened the thing up and, hey, Jesus, where are you at? Jesus, and they finally realized they've church, you know searched everywhere and Jesus ain't with them. So the last place we was at was at church, so we better go back. Guess what? It's a whole day. I'm not talking about driving back to Walmart because you left them there. I'm talking about a whole day. So they get back. And the Bible says in Luke 2 and 48, and when his parents saw him, they found him at church. You know, he's astounding, the doctors and lawyers and all that. I think he's about 12 years old on his mother's side. And uh, he said, that his mother said to him, it?" his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I mean, mama was coming out now. Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why are you searching for me, you ask? Why are you searching for me? Now, this is right here where my mama would have cocked her hand back. And then by the time I said, didn't you know, it would have been, ah! Now, that's back when they didn't go to jail for whipping some child or whatever. And it never did. My my mom and dad would look here. Go ahead and call them, and I'm going to whip you till they get here. And then when they take me to jail, I can't buy no more of your toys and no more of your food and all that. So see how you like it when I'm gone. So anyway, he said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to uh, Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Listen, mom, some of you have been frustrated with your children. It's frustrating. I guarantee Joseph was upset too, having to come all the way back. I mean, a day back and then another day to get back to where he was at when you found out you'd left him. So, um, I just want to tell you, you're gonna you're gonna suffer frustration. You're gonna celebrate. Yep, frustrate. There's gonna be some of it. So just get get with it. But in the midst of that, stay persistent through your frustration. Don't throw your hands up and quit. It blows my mind to people that. Just because of a failure, I, you know. I heard our superintendent, Will Harden, this years ago. Uh, I was driving a school bus, and he was director of transportation. And I heard him say something one day. He said, "If you fail a test, it's not that you're a failure. It's just that you're not ready to test yet." And that was profound to me. That you its not that you're a failure. You're just not ready to test yet. And I thought about that, man. You know, we just we study a little harder, we memorize a little more. We familiarize ourselves, and we try again. We don't label ourselves just a failure, and that's it, and that's final. Mom, listen, you're not a failure. The the, the things that you're putting in your children are eternal, and they're gonna they're gonna remember that the rest of their days. Let me move on. The last word I want for you today: not only celebration and frustration, but then there's dedication. And dedication happens uh, with moms more than anybody else. Um, I think of moms. And if a child is sick, um, mom's going to be right there to the very bitter end. If a child goes to jail, they're incarcerated, mom's going to be there. She's going to visit as often as she can until she cannot do it anymore. No matter what he or she has done, because she's mom. And 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 she's going to continue to to. Go see them and look up for them. I want to tell you something, Mom. Jesus is dedicated to you even in the hardship and the struggle that you're in right now. Jesus has dedicated himself to you and said, you know what? I know you're frustrated with your children. I know they ain't turning out the way you thought it was going to turn out and it ain't the dream that you was dreaming, but I'm right here with you. Jesus was betrayed, turned over to the authorities, drove through the streets of Caiaphas and then to Herod and back to Caiaphas and Pilate and various places. He was beaten in front of his mother with a cat of nine tails until he was nearly dead it seemed. They stripped his clothes off of him in front of her. They snatched his beard out of his face in front of her. And I don't know, they must have had some guard holding her back because most moms won't stand for that no matter who's doing it. They just ain't going to stand for it. And uh, the Bible says in John 19 and 25 that near the cross of Jesus stood Mo- his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clophus and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus looked down saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, that is John the beloved. John, the closest disciple to him, was standing right beside Mary. And while Jesus was making eternal arrangements to handle our sin and shortcomings, to redeem us back to a father that we had been separated from, in his dying moments, and with the last seven sayings that he said on the cross, he said to his mother, Woman, no disrespect was intended, but woman, behold thy son. He wasn't talking about himself, he was talking about John. He said, John, behold thy mother. And what he was doing was, he was saying to Mary, I'm going. I've told you this all along. You've pondered these things in your heart, you knew it, but the day is coming. I'm leaving today, but I'm leaving John in charge. He's going to look after you, mama, while I go back to the Father. Mama, John's going to do what I would do for you if I was here. Scholars tell me John done it. That he, he stayed with her until she passed. What I'm saying is, Jesus, in his most trying time, Jesus, at the critical time of his life when he should have been thinking about himself or something else, he looked down and saw his mother. He said, I'm going to take care of you. John's going to do it for me. So, what I want to tell you is this Matthew 10 and 29 says, Even the hairs of our head are numbered. What I need you to know today as you stand with me is that Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you. Perfection is not the goal. I need you to be persistent. If you'll quit pursuing perfection, it'll open you up to be able to just be there. They call it in ministerial circles the ministry of presence. Presence. Just be in there. When you don't even know what to say, just be in there. God will help you with that. And know this, that everything you do is making an indelible mark on that child. And I want to thank you. Listen, not just, there are moms, or there's girls with us today, or ladies with us today that you would have loved to have born children, but because of medical situations, you weren't able physically have children and you've adopted some children and that's great and you're just as much a mom and then there are those who never was able to do that but uh, you sort of just served as some call them godmother or spiritual mother and that has a tremendous impact upon those that you're mothering so I'm not leaving anybody out today I'm saying that God wants you to know how special you are and how important the things that you do are to those children. Not, not just that. Listen, me personally, I couldn't ask for a better mother to our children than Kelly has been. I could not. Amen. That's fact. Right. So I want to pray for all of our moms right now. If you're near, Mom, can you just join hands with her? Father, in the name of the Lord, I pray on this Mother's Day, 2016, for every mom here in this service. Lord, for that mom that is frustrated right now, she has been in Back to your heart, now I surrender, take me, this is all I can bring. I'm coming back to the start. My God is freedom. and can we feel your heart? If i forced, me. this is all I, can bring. Me no I, feel, me I pray a special blessing upon every mom every expected mom in Jesus name Amen. God bless you. Make welcome our host.